On September 11th, 2019, BuzzFeed tweeted out the following in response to the recently announced Hella Mega Tour. Quote, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer are going on tour together, and Emo is back, baby. End quote. And no piece of literature has since, or ever will, clearly outline the misconceptions that emo music has faced since day one. Emo was not spawned from Guy Liner and Hot Topic merchandise, but rather from the hardcore punk scene birthed in Washington, D.C. in the early 1980s. It was initially tagged as Emo Core by Thrasher Magazine, but legendary punk frontman Ian Mackay had something to say about that. I must say, Emo Core must be the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. While Emo's second wave is celebrated critically, with bands like the Get Up Kids and Cap and Jazz dominating the scene, they were merely martyrs on the path to mainstream emo dominance, the third wave of emo, the My Chemical Romances and the Jimmy Eat Worlds of the world, the bands that turned emo into an insult, the bands that confused the rest of the world as to what emo actually was. Emo lost its roots in the DIY punk scene and became another corporate buzzword. Emo, much like grunge or any other alternative scene that suddenly grew too big too fast, became littered with posers, fakes, and get-rich-quick bands. Emo was dead. And then it wasn't. A revival of sorts, an emo revival to be specific, began to take shape. And by 2014, the scene had emerged in a real way. Bands like The Hotelier, Into It, Over It, and Modern Baseball were leading the charge for a new breed of misled and misanthropic youth. They sang songs with similar messages to what bands of prior waves had sang about. The government is lying, your hometown sucks, and pretty girls will ruin your life. But this time they infused those lyrics with social media references and a certain sense of self-awareness that prior waves had lacked. Music publications can blow off emo music, parents can laugh at it, pretentious artists can look down at it, but the fact of the matter is emo music matters. It has survived longer than it has any right to. Emo is not a punchline, and you do not have to attach an LOL to every post you make about enjoying a Dashboard Confessional song. It is as valid as any other form of music. Modern Baseball's You're Gonna Miss It All is as valid as any other album. In fact, it's more valid than most, because You're Gonna Miss It All is an art school album. My head is on the verge of exploding No amount of aspirin or pizza could help this from her And welcome back to Art School Albums. Today we are discussing Modern Baseball's You're Gonna Miss It All. And my guest today is Quentin Reynolds. And I want to start off with the all-important question. Quentin, how are you? I'm doing well today, Case. Uh, it's been a pretty solid day, you know. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this album. I like Modern Baseball a lot. And uh, I'm a really big fan of the podcast, so thank you for having me on. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I... I'm going to be very forthright in why I, I'm having you on this podcast and why um, I think in a way, and I don't know if you know this or not, but you inspired part of this podcast, but I'll come out and say it. I think you're a good looking dude. Thank I think you. you're handsome. I think you're charming. I think you're charismatic. And the fact that you like modern baseball confuses me a little bit. Okay. Would you say you describe yourself um, as having any emo tendencies? Or what do you even think of the word emo when you hear of it? Do you think that relates to you at all? Uh, I think on maybe a more subconscious level. You know, I don't think I'm very upfront and out in emo. I think I do have, you know, certain... Uh, like my taste in music, I like emo music because, you know, I do, I do get caught up in my feelings sometimes. I'll admit it. Yeah, that's that a brave of you to admit. Because I look at you, and I, and I don't say this in 
in an ironic way, but I really look at you as a person, and I and I hope it comes across in this podcast. I look at you as a confident person, and I I think maybe I project some of my insecurities onto you because you seem very put together and cut and lean, quite honestly. Thanks. But the fact is, is that one night we were hanging out at a mutual friend's house, and uh, Modern Baseball came on shuffle, and it was your graduation, which is a song we'll hear in just a little bit. Mm. And I was taken aback because everybody in the room knew that song and this was this was 2018 i mean this was after modern baseball had broken up and mm -hmm. after this you know so-called emo revival had started to fade away and i think i i lost something because this was my world for so long and i just forgot the force that modern baseball was for such a short time to such a specific group of people. It's one of those things that if you know it, you know it. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't. And it's as simple as that. Do you remember the first time you heard modern baseball? The first time, man, I don't remember specifically the first time. I do remember the first time I connected with somebody over modern baseball. Yeah, go for it. Uh, we, we, it was, uh, we had shared similar music interests as it was. And, your graduation was actually the song that we connected on and we talked about possibly making a video about it she was a like a i don't want to say videographer she made videos okay yeah um and uh i tried to learn it i tried to learn how to play it on the ukulele which is uh so bold of me did you I'm, go through a ukulele phase i own a ukulele i do own one uh kind of yeah i've always wanted to learn how to play an instrument and i went to the guitar center one day with some friends yeah. and i picked one up and i don't know it's a lot of fun it's also you know four strings <laughs> not well, it's, it's very simple and very accessible because there was a very real time period where like ukulele covers of vance joy's rip time exactly that was half of the internet for me was just watching various women cover that song and i i loved it mm -hmm. so you tried to learn your graduation on the ukulele i did for a while uh and it went all right uh it, i i was i was so behind though like i was trying i was putting in the work um but it didn't didn't really quite come through it was very choppy uh so Did, l let me ask and and i don't i don't mean to pry i don't mean to ask any deeply personal questions but sure. were you learning this song on the ukulele to impress this girl something like that definitely i wouldn't say impress but definitely to she was teaching me how to play the ukulele oh, fantastic so it was something that uh, we had in common not in common but something that gave me um something to talk to her about something to you know, keep yeah, contact with her. Over. For sure. I think that's an interesting thing that really this entire, if we want to call it the fourth wave of emo, if we want to call it the emo revival, whatever it is, these groups of bands, the modern baseballs, into it, over it, uh, I'll say sorority noise to an extent, mm -hmm. a lot of these bands had a certain self-awareness to them. And women, I think especially second and third, third wave emo, had come to maybe be into the music but there was so much misogyny that clouded the scene and and that's still unfortunately prevalent in in a lot of alternative circles today is just you know oh, were you just here to fuck the band it's like no women can like this music and that was always something that struck out to me was modern baseball is i mean jake ewald's a very good looking guy but modern baseball is not exactly a band of heartthrobs but women seem to be so into this band and to relate to it on such an interesting level and it, would it be fair to say that most of your modern baseball connections have been with the opposite sex? 
Possibly. I haven't really broken it down to that before. You haven't done the statistical analysis of that? Not particularly, no. Uh, I have yet to do such uh maybe i maybe i'll look into it yeah know, no but... just crunch those numbers when you get a chance oh, get for back sure. to me for but sure. i know for me the first time i heard modern baseball um my friend sam sat me down and then the same day he showed me modern baseball uh the band ajj mm-hmm. and johnny Ho- johnny hobo and the freight trains which were this old crust punk like folk punk anarchist type band mm-hmm. he showed me all of them in the same day which, as I look back on it, literally a life-changing day. Yeah. It completely changed the way I thought about most things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first Modern Baseball song that I really attached myself to was not on You're Gonna Miss It All. It was actually on their first album, Sports. And this was... Sports came out in 2012 um, on Lamo Records and was a, a college album. I mean, it was made by college student songs that the band wrote either towards the latter end of their high school years or early in college semi-acoustic very basic production um one of the things that stood out about that album was it was 2012 and they were referencing social media and their instagrams and their twitters a lot and songs which as funny as it may be now in 2012 that felt very modern and current for sure um and the song that spoke to me was the song tears over beers which was I the the gist of it is there's this girl and there's this guy and they're they're too afraid to be with each other and people keep getting in the way and I, there was one specific girl that that song always made me think of there's this girl I went to high school with named Leah mm-hmm. and we had been friends for years at that point um but I remember like like coming into like school year like sophomore year of high school it's like oh wow leah grew up like leah's really pretty now um and i was friends with her for years i was like oh man this is gonna be great like i've got i've got an entry point like i've got a shot and then leah got so pretty that basically the entire school took notice and like her friend group shifted um and i i had a lot of uh angry walks up and down my driveway to tears over fears that girl who's next I just want to know how you connect with some of this music. Yeah, I... Well, it started off... I got into Pup, which I don't know if you know of Pup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, like, a band that I got into. I found them to be, like, an alternative kind of punk, almost. It was something... I was very into their sound, and I liked them a lot. And then that turned me on to uh, Mom Jeans. Huge fan of Mom Jeans. Yeah, Mom Jeans is really big with just college students as a whole right now. I feel like any song that comes out that has an alternative like twang to it mm-hmm. people are like oh, it reminds me of mom jeans that's the go-to right now okay yeah yeah so you're in a pup and mom jeans mom and who jeans else? just friends i was into i like sorority noise and yeah the, these songs have um these kind of emotional underlying messages and they talk about real stuff that i feel like people our age can relate to for sure you know and so i found it very easy for me to get caught up in some of these songs and have a personal connection with them with some things i might have been going through at the time definitely and yeah i mean i i i do think i'm a confident person like you said and i appreciate you for saying that about me of course me. i have nothing lot. but praise for you thank you case um <laughs> so but at the same time, yeah, you know, I don't always get it right. I've got problems, yeah. you know. I uh, 
So those songs, it is nice to kind of like, not nice, but I, I do find myself sitting in those emotions sometimes listening to those songs. Let me ask you a question that I I don't feel like you've been asked recently. Okay. I don't feel like it's something that has been irrelevant to your life in a long time now. But were you popular in high school? Uh, Man, that's hard. I mean, I think so. Like... Not in the way that I think it's depicted on, like, television. Give me your high school rundown. What was it like for you? Okay. Uh, I was an athlete. I played nice. um, sports. I was I was friends with a lot of different groups of people. Mm -hmm. So, like, athletes, you know, people that m might not have been into sports. Like, I had a lot of friends just here and there. Nobody, like, super, super close that I was like, this is my best friend. Like, this is my, my go-to, my ride or die. Yeah. But I had a lot of connections with just a large number of people do you feel like you kind of bounced around friend groups not so much bounced around like i didn't go like back and forth as much as i was just kind of like felt like i had a hand in a couple of different friend groups certainly uh i didn't but a lot of it you know i feel like i was on my own kind of but that was okay you know i had my own things i wanted to do and stuff like that but yeah i uh i do i got a senior superlative my senior year um me and my friend kate we got Best all around, which Just I think as people that, best all around people. Yeah, that was the name Jesus of the superlative. Jesus Christ. Yep, uh, which was an honor, and I really appreciated it. Uh, but we were, you know, I was I I was a Boy Scout in high school, which I didn't really talk about that much. Um, I tried to be kind and just kind of you know have solid <laughs> morals i guess yeah. i don't know you know i was just trying to be a nice guy a man of high moral fibers you are I, thank you yeah uh and so i think that's kind of what it came down to you know people knew me as like a nice guy and yeah. i was present in sports and in other aspects i was kind of i at, towards the end of high school is when i started doing stand-up and i made it more known that i wanted to pursue a career in comedy so I think people look to me for that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I was popular like most people would think of it, but I think a lot of people, I, I was friends with a lot of people for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you think growing up in Rhode Island shaped your music taste at all? Because I know like for me, I'm from Indiana mm -hmm. and there's a whole subshoot of like Midwestern emo bands and just that title alone and like that grouping really... Um, led me to discovering a lot of different bands that I came to really like, but I don't know what the scene is like in Rhode Island. Rhode Island, there's not really, like, Rhode Island music. I can say that for sure. <laughs> uh, I grew up in southern Rhode Island, which was kind of rural. It was kind of a rural area. And so my parents, I grew up listening to country music and a lot of Jimmy Buffett, I'll say that. Oh, oh man. My parents, huge Jimmy Buffett fans. Jimmy Buffett was the first concert I ever went to. How many Jimmy Buffett shows have you been to? I think three. Um, I like Jimmy Buffett, dude. I, I love the... <laughs> I don't know. And also, if you haven't been to a Jimmy Buffett concert, go. They're just fun. Like, it's a lot of older people. Yeah. You know? And it's just a fun time. I don't think... You know, you... You've been to a lot of concerts. You know, some concerts can kind of get like a weird feeling or like a little like aggressive from time For to time. For sure, uh, yes. yeah. Jimmy Buffett concert—that's not gonna happen. <laughs> not the vibe at a it's Jimmy Buffett gonna, show. It feels like the relationship that I want to have with like I don't know, like my grandparents. I guess <laughs> there's just like older people there, and you, uh, you, you're connecting over this music, and like it's it's just fun. It's a good time. But so, like I was saying, Rhode Island not like a very music scene kind of place you know um 
Yeah, it feels like the closest being, I don't know Northeast geography great, but like Boston has always had a very strong punk scene. Mm-hmm. And a lot of bands that were prevalent around the same time that modern baseball uh, was came from Boston. But I don't like, I don't feel like you were getting in your car. And I, and I, and God help me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like you were like 16 getting in your car and going to these like Boston hardcore punk shows. No, I was not. Yeah. Definitely not. So did you, but you don't have, do you have older siblings? I do. I have an older brother. He's, uh, a year and a half older than I am. Did they introduce you to music or were you kind of on your own? When I was in middle school, he introduced me to rap. Definitely. I okay. remember he got, or even, I think it was the fourth grade. I remember, um, he was into Fort Minor, and I started listening to Fort Minor because of it. And then when I was in middle school, like he started listening to more rap music, and I started listening to it after that. But in high school, not so much. Uh, we just shared a lot of the same music tastes, I think. You know, and we would like blast it in the car. Or yeah, whatever. for it sure. Was, it was a good time. Sounds good. So. Modern Baseball is You're Gonna Miss It All. This album comes out on February 11th, 2014. That is a day before my 15th birthday. Wow. So I was, if not aware of the band when this album came out, I would have discovered them immediately afterwards. I don't remember that exact timeline Mm -hmm. because I don't... I have a lot of albums and, and stuff that we'll discuss on this show in the future of, like, I know where I was when this album came out. This is not one of those, but just thinking about the timeline, I know it would have had to have been close. And this record came out on Run For Cover Records, which it's so weird to look back even now with five years of hindsight as to how dominant of a label this was for short for such a short period of time. Quentin, I'm going to run some bands by you. Okay. You tell me if you're a fan or not. Okay. So Run For Cover had Modern Baseball, which you're a fan of. Yes. It had the band Pity Sex. I haven't heard of them. Okay. It had the band Title Fight. I think I've heard of Title yeah, Fight. Yeah, Title Fight's like Pup. You would like Title Fight. Yeah. Um, it had the band Captain We're Sinking. I don't know that Okay, band. so Captain We're Sinking was this super underappreciated band in the scene. They put out only like two or three records, and they were all really good, but they were similar to like a band like the Menzingers, who yep. they were just like, I don't want to say the diet version of that. Like, they weren't a lesser Mezingers, mm-hmm. but I think they just got lumped in by comparison. And then, you know, the Mezingers took off and Captain Were Sinking did it. They sunk. And then they <laughs> broke up, which was such a bummer. Um, Run for Cover also had Pine Grove. Are you a Pine Grove yeah, guy? Yeah, I like Pine Yeah, Grove. that tracks. That makes sense, just knowing <laughs> you. Yeah. So they were this, this label that had all of these bands together at one time. And then, you know, they picked up lo-fi artists like Teen Suicide and Elvis DePresley mm-hmm. and became... Almost the the front runners in this emo revival, and I just remember at the time like discovering modern baseball, and then I was just able to like I was like okay, run for cover record. That's something I keep on seeing that logo everywhere. And then it was just like band after band after band, and they were all killer. And if you look at the the bands I just read, modern baseball, pity sex, title fight, captain, we're sinking, are all on hiatus or done, and Pine Grove is no longer on the label. And I don't I don't know if there's ever been a label like that in the punk scene that has just imploded so quickly and it's not their fault bands just choose to go in other avenues but i at least thought it was worth mentioning that like run for cover records for a little bit was like this really big deal mm-hmm. and i remember like when new bands would get picked up by run for cover like pine grove was one i didn't know who they were from their first ep but when uh run for cover signed them i was like well they're a run for cover band i have to check them out sure. and that's something that i think is not exclusive to punk music and emo music, but I think it really 
is um, a special part of that scene of just these labels that just have all of these bands. And if you sign to this label, you are now in this group. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing. So the album comes out. Um, it's their second album. Their first one was Sports, which, like I said, was more of a, a, a college record. It was, it was serious music, but it wasn't... Um, the production values weren't up to snuff as even uh, You're Gonna Miss It All was. Um, it comes out, and the the response is very positive from the start. We'll hear the first song right now. This is Fine Great, the opening song off of You're Gonna Miss It All. I hate worrying about the future Cause all my current problems are based around the past And I hate when you call me late at night Just to check in to make sure I got nothing to be sad about But it's alright and I'm okay I won't need your help anyway I will I hate having to think about my future When all I want to do is worry about everyone but me Fine, great, the opening song on the album, in my opinion, a great opener. For what sure. are your thoughts on Fine, Great? I like Fine, Great a lot. Uh, solid beat to it. And this is one of those songs where it felt like, not so much when I was at the age when it came out, I was 15 or whatever, but just recently, uh, yeah, I've I've had uh, definitely some nights where, you know, I have to think back on... Uh, there's there's a lyric uh, right at the top that's about uh, how he's supposed to focus on his future when um, he's so caught up in like what has happened to him and yeah, where he's come yeah, from, yeah. you know. And that's that's real. It's it's hard to move away from things like that. And uh, I I definitely understand where he was coming from for sure. And that's something that I just wish I could get it through people's heads. And maybe it's hard for me because I I am the age I I am, and I can't. Uh, fast forward in time and mm -hmm. then go back to have that perspective. I only have the perspective that I have now. Exactly. But the the dismissal of these e these emotional songs, this emo music, if you want to say, about just singing about stuff that we've all been through. And I mean, if you're 33 and living a suburban life and you have a family and you no longer relate to this exact issue, great, I guess you've won at life. <laughs> but that's something that's always confused me is just the dismissal of these bands or even from people our own age, that just, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't want to hear about a guy singing about all of his problems, but this is stuff that is worldly, in my opinion. I mean, this was stuff that hit me, and I was just like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm feeling right now. Yeah, it's, it's relevant for us, you know? We're at that age that they were when they dropped this album. You for know? sure. Well, like, exactly. I think that's something that is, is so special about this band, is that like the prior albums that I've covered on the show, at least the first few episodes, have all been stuff that either came out before I was born or came out at a time where I was aware of it but not as musically inclined as I am now. Mm. But I was in the scene for this. I mean, modern baseball was a big part of my life as soon as I heard them, and I grew with them. Mm. And we see it in this album of like a lot of things that, you know, my sophomore, junior year of high school I was feeling, and then my junior year of high school, their third album, Holy Ghost, came out, which was their final album. Yep. Yeah. And that, uh, that, that, that spoke to me in a really just important way because I saw the band growing, and it kind of encouraged me to continue on my path of self-growth. So the next track we'll hear, this is Broken Cash Machine Song 2 on You're Gonna Miss It All. Home alone on Friday night, no better time for exercise and wishing you were still my girlfriend. Sweeping floors and folding napkins, praying 
I do that? Why does everything collapse even when it's glued together? Hey, why did I Home Alone on Friday night, no better time for exercise and wishing you were still my girlfriend is quite literally how I spent my high school career. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, now, maybe not wishing you were still my girlfriend, maybe just wishing you were my girlfriend. Believe it or not, I didn't kill it in high school. Okay. But I heard this song about a year ago, and it was at a point, uh, Modern Baseball has been in my life since the day I've heard them, but like any other music, we have times where it kind of ebbs and flows out of your life. Yeah. And I heard this song on shuffle, and I was standing on the street, I was standing on State Street in Chicago, and that opening line hit, and I was like, oh my God, of course I loved this band. Yeah. Like that was everything I went through at one point in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, do you, do you relate to that? Have you ever, have you ever panic exercised before? Almost every day. Almost every Almost day. day. <laughs> I, I, when I was in high school, especially, I would, I was really into running actually back then. I mean, I still was into lifting. And Give me your gym workout real quick. My gym routine? Let's say, are you going to head to the gym after the show? I, yeah, I will hit the, What do you, what are you doing today at the gym? Today I'm doing uh, push exercises, mainly chest and shoulders. So hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's solid. Yeah. I, I have a split. That's um, a five day split. It's break push, it down for me. It's push, pull legs and then push, pull legs again. And then I'll mix core into there. Yeah. Um, the first push day of the week I do like just straight up like chest and triceps. And then the second one I do chest and shoulders. First pull day is like uh, back and shoulders and then my leg day. And then my second pull day is like uh, deadlifts and uh, lower back and uh, that kind of thing. Hell yeah. Well, hey, don't forget to skip leg day. Am I right, brother? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dangerous game. But that was something that I went through a lot in high school was I would just – and a lot of it was uh, just the anxiety that I was going through in my everyday life that at that point in my life I didn't know how to control and I didn't know how to cope with it. But a lot of a lot of my coping at that point was like, uh, I, I'm just going to go run a mile. I, oh, I'll just sure. be back. Is that something you went through as well? Oh, yeah. I literally felt like I was running away from the things that I was feeling. Yes. I remember especially uh, senior year of high school, I would go to the gym constantly with a couple of friends or like one of, one of my gym buddies. And we would just work out like super hard and you know talk through some stuff that we were going through and then just convince ourselves that as long as we were like working hard it didn't even matter like it wasn't even there uh i love that that was how i got through like senior year of high school like the end of senior year of high school was really weird and you know i spent a lot of time in the gym with a couple of core friends of mine and we would just work really hard and like work through problems that were in our life for but we sure made them seem like they were jokes almost you know it's well, just kind of because you brush off the the reality of it all exactly because that's yeah. that's what we do yeah um does modern baseball ever make your gym playlist i don't believe so I, what does your gym playlist look like real quick well i i have one of my own that i haven't listened to in a while i prefer to use spotify has some great playlists you know? yeah um what but a lot of it is you know like hard not hardcore rap but some rap that uh has some good beat drops in it for sure um, i have last resort the rework uh by papa roach yeah here. yeah yeah um cut my life into pieces yeah this is my last resort for sure um andy minio uh which is like uh he's a rapper i don't know if you know no him. i don't oh, all right well he's got some sick beats um, i love it <laughs> dmx is on here for sure which dmx song uh x gonna give it to yeah, you yeah x gonna Obviously. give it to you it's a song that i've learned 
I don't even think I can drive with that song on because I I don't listen to a ton of rap music. Mm-hmm. But when I do, yeah. I prefer that it scares me. Okay. I want yeah. rap music that's in my face to a violent extent. Yeah. And DMX is that. Oh, for that's sure. all of his stuff. Yeah. And I hear X can give it to you sometimes and I like I start like shaking and I'm tapping my feet and like nodding my head. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna explode right He's now. He's yelling at you. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. Yeah, my actually my go-to if I'm like going to do something difficult and I need to like focus, my go-to song is actually "Shipping Up to Boston" by the Dropkick really? Murphys. It just has such a solid like uh, pace to it, you know. Dun dun. Yeah. And. Uh, it, it reminds me of when I was younger. I used to go to Boston sporting events and they play it all the time. And it, it gives me some motivation. I don't know. I'm able to pull out some some strength no, that I didn't I think I had that. if that song's playing. Well, unfortunately, a song that hasn't been played at a lot of sporting events is Rock Bottom. We'll hear a little bit of that now. After reading that text from your friend, I started losing all my confidence. So I'll stay tired, I know soon I'll be bailing. Then you, you ask if I gotta leave, and I wish that I could say no. Rock Bottom, track three, and you're gonna miss it all. Quentin, how do you feel about Rock Bottom? It. Reminds me a lot of the honeymooning phase of relationships. For that sure, I've been yeah. In. Yeah, where you're just so into that other person that you don't even do much. Like, you just want to spend time with them regardless of what you're doing. And uh, the song really reminds me of that. You know, you, you know you have other things in your life that make you happy. You know you have other things to do, but instead you just decide to spend all of your time no, with this other person. Exactly. It's quite literally that song. But the last line of the of the song is, there's no good reason why I should leave your bed tomorrow. We can watch Planet Earth and brainstorm tattoos. Right. Which, I mean, that feels juvenile in a sense. But that, I mean, I, I hate to speak for everybody, but I feel like that's what we're striving for in a romantic relationship is mm-hmm. just that kind of freeing... Nonchalant. Not, yeah, nonchalant, because I don't want to say irresponsible, for but sure. that nonchalant is like, no, right now you are what's happening in my life and that's more important than anything absolutely i think that's really nice yeah it is the first time i saw you was in your apartment i had followed my friend single file through the darkness i looked your direction for excessive inspection and i could not muster the courage to say a single word this is apartment this is track four off you're gonna miss it all and this is where i think the album really starts to take shape and you hear a much more fuller sound than you ever heard on their prior record sports let's hear a little bit more of, of uh, apartment everyone cheated and no one could spell you didn't say much of anything i must have come off annoying Apartment's my favorite song on the record. You think so? I think so. I like it a lot. Not my favorite, but I do like it a lot. There's something about it that I, I mean, 
you know, bands sing about relationships all the time. I mean, unrequited love is not a unique topic to any form of music, but especially emo music. But I, there's something that this song just gets so right, mm-hmm. and I think it's the hopefulness of it. Oh, definitely. That, like, I mean, that's been most of my experiences with women and i don't say this as like a like a somber subject but a lot of a lot of my best moments with women have been the hope that things are going to go well and not necessarily the execution of it all and i think this is the song more than anything that just nails it in a way that is it was just so refreshing to hear at the time because I mean, I'm still like this now, but in high school, I mean, I had a new crush every week. There was always somebody that was like, this is this is the one, she's the girl for me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, years afterwards, I'm still living in that same life. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Sure. But I could just, there was a point in high school where I could just slot any girl that I liked at that moment into this song. And it became a soundtrack of just, and not, it, it was a positive soundtrack, which is part of the reason I think I love this song so much is like, they just nailed it. I don't know how. I mean, how do you feel about apartment? I definitely agree with you that it's hopeful because I picked up on that. I feel like he's focusing a lot on lost opportunities or opportunities that he didn't take, uh, but still having the motivation to try again to make sure that he doesn't let that opportunity slip away again. And also, just the the picture that it paints of he's falling asleep in class which I used to do all of the time and sometimes I still do and but cannot sleep at night because well, think like, about how is... brilliant of a line that is all yeah. the classes in high school we fell asleep on and now I can hardly close my eyes yeah I mean that's that's and this is a this is a Jake Ewald song this is one of the songs that he he wrote and and sung on which modern baseball I guess for those that don't know uh, made up of four members and there were two singers Brendan Lukens and Jake Ewald and they just they they had a way of working together where they would just you know there were Jake songs and there were Brennan songs and some people have preferences I personally don't necessarily have a dog in that fight mm-hmm. but you know modern baseball breaks up in 2017 and we see Brennan Lukens um doesn't have a musical project to my knowledge since I I think modern baseball is the last thing he did whereas Jake Ewald uh, went straight into creating this band Slaughter Beach Dog mm-hmm. and since then has become I think one of the most proficient songwriters there are. If I was a major record label executive and I was trying to make my next pop star or or someone that could sing about their feels and that could create sort of these moments that are these lyrics that I think, you know, at this point in time would make great Instagram captions more than anything, the first thing I would do is contact Jake Ewald and tell him to write songs for me. Yeah. I think he just has this relatability to him that is so hard to find in almost any songwriter out there, and he's been churning them out for, at this point, it's crazy to think, but the first modern baseball record was in 2012. We're approaching nearly a decade of Jake Ewald writing these things that are really touching and personal, and unfortunately, some of the modern baseball work gets brushed off because it's looked at as an emo band, and I think that's really messed up. There's a tombstone in the brush with your name on the front, but I had no bucks to get your lies, they ran out of luck. On the back of it, sharp as attack, but in the sense that you're not smart, just a prick. And my finger on my toe, ripping sag holes all the way to my chest. All the way. 
chest But every trouble in your voice still echoes in my ears Good night asleep the old gospel choir is our next song quentin how do we stand on the old gospel choir it's so somber it's so it, it's sad i think know? it's the saddest song on the record for sure there's uh we just talked about it in the prior song how there's a hopefulness to it mm-hmm. and that was a jake ewald song this is a brendan lucan song and there's i mean it's it's a hopeless song he's which, writing his own obituary pretty much like yeah yeah which i in it i it just comes through in such an interesting way i think the song title the old gospel choir is one of those things that like it's a song title and you know they're a weird band they have weird songs but then you put it in that perspective and you're like oh well this really hits oh yeah yeah for sure i think the saddest song on the record which is interesting because I, do you look at modern baseball as a sad band I wouldn't say sad. No, okay. I wouldn't say sad. Because I think that's an unfortunate part of this entire genre is that all of these, because we have singers singing about emotion and some heartache, some trouble, whatever it is, that there's kind of a surface level analysis that's done of, oh, these bands are sad because they're maybe singing about sadder topics, but I don't uh, subscribe to that theory at all. I think modern baseball, especially. I, mean, I, I look at modern baseball as a party band, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, I think a lot of their stuff is just upbeat enough to where I could play some of their songs at a normal party and get away with it, or I could play all of their songs at an art school party and get away with it, <laughs> yeah. which there's a huge difference there. Those playlists are drastically different. Yeah. But modern baseball, I think, would fit in in, in some sense, which is what, what made the band so special. And it's something that has only become more prevalent to me as time has gone on is just how powerful this band was and yes they've got their hits and everybody's going to know your graduation or or tears over beers or apple cider i don't mind but there are these songs like the old gospel choir that are maybe not hits they're never going to get airplay but god they're great songs yeah they're in there they're but like you said, not not a whole ton of people listen to it. And if they do, it's it's not the same. It's not the pace that they probably would care for. No, which another song like that is this next one. This is Notes Off. You're going to miss it all. Dear long dark hair, I write because I know you'll forget. You could be sea green in a wastebasket tomorrow. No repulsion toward. My premature indulgences If you can't recall a word I said Not like those cheap So Notes is a song that for the first 100 times I listened to this album was not one that particularly stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Not something that I had a lot of takes on. Do you kind of feel that same way? Yeah, definitely. It's... I, I I understand, but there's a lot of metaphor to it. There's a lot of uh, deeper meaning, I feel like. For sure. So that was that was my thought for the longest time was like if I think every song on this album deserves to stay. I'm a big fan of resequencing albums because mm-hmm. I don't like the way a lot of them are paced. There's nothing I would change about this. I, I think every song on this album belongs and I like the way it's laid out. This was always a song I was like, eh, notes is fine, I guess. I mean the the first, like the first few lines, dear long dark hair, dear long, dear long dark hair, rather, I write because I know you'll forget you could be sea green in a wastebasket tomorrow, is like really clever when you think about it. Yeah. But that was kind of the only impression of the song I had. And then I started listening to this, um, 
just more because it's always on on you know my phone it's all, i've always got it on my record player but then you know i started listening to it for this episode as well and it really uh, took a took on a new life for me for a few reasons first of all i think this is the biggest sonic change that modern baseball shows because this album is no different than the style of songs on sports it's just done with better production for the most part but we see this like alt country sort of thing start to take shape here which makes sense given what Jake Ewald has gone on to do with Slaughter Beach Dog, yeah. where he, you know, he's said himself he's a big fan of Wilco and the alt country scene, and that's kind of what has influenced his new sound. And we see that here, which has now made this song one of my favorites on the record, actually, because like you said, it's very metaphorical. There's so much stuff that I just love in this. The second verse of, you know, she was my trophy shelf of slip-ups by untamed hormonal Loch Ness shit show. That's incredible writing. I mean, it's really something, but it it's all masked in this alt-country setup that was very different for the band. And even on their, their EP that followed and then Holy Ghost, which came after that, they never went back to the sound. It was something that Jake Ewald had to, he had to escape from the band to go back to this. But I think this is kind of him personified. This is some of his best work, in my opinion. I don't know if I'd trust Brendan Lukens to complete a beer run for a case of Keystone Light. He'd probably come back with a six-pack and a funny story about the girl he met from his old high school along the way. These are the small, relatable pleasures of which a modern baseball song is made. 7.2 out of 10. Pitchfork. I'm pretty good at feeling sorry for myself Making up fake lives but nothing like tangible Dreaming while watching the TV Intricate combos By myself to fall asleep But alas None of them come true No car accidents, plane crash And no 6 o'clock news Just me and my too far away TV Charlie Black opens up the second side of the record, that's a little bit of that, and then it transitions into the next song, which is Timmy Bowers, and we'll hear a little bit of that now as well. Wait a minute, cause I've been living more like a piece of shit without you. And I've been spending all your past killings trying to drink my way out of this. So we open up the second side of the record, and it's the song Charlie Black, really hard-hitting, very fast, upbeat, a good start to the second side, and then it immediately transitions into a song called Timmy Bowers, which is uh, basically the inverse of that song. It's relatively the same lyrics, but stripped down and done acoustically. And what do you think about these two together if we kind of lump these songs into one? I need to listen to them together. I don't particularly like to listen to just Timmy Bowers. Like, I can listen to Charlie Black on his own. Yeah. It's, like, upbeat. It's fun. And... Timmy's a weird one if you hit it on shuffle, though. Oh, it yeah. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It feels so out of place. Yeah, you need the context of it. Exactly. It's kind of like it's the chaser to Charlie Black, you know? Oh, that's really clever. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And it's, it's the contradicting side of he was in a relationship. He left that relationship. Charlie Black is, he's single, he's feeling good. Yeah. He feels like there's a weight lifted off of him. That's probably the side that he shows to most people. And then Timmy Bowers being the the inverse, like you said, or the co- contradicting part where it's like, oh, like I, it, he literally says, I feel like a piece of shit without you. Yeah. 
it's a bold artistic statement. Yeah. And that's why I get so fired up about this band in particular. But mm-hmm. this scene as a whole, I mean, I, I'm, I care about the bands that I like. A lot of them, for better or worse, kind of shape the way that I think a lot of people see me. But... Modern Baseball is a band that I'll defend to the grave because I just, I think this is so good. And they're not the first band to do it. They won't be the last band to do it. I'm sure there have been bands that have done this concept as good as this, but goddamn. I mean, this really, we're we're sitting here in the studio listening to Timmy Bowers and like that, it just, it snuck up on me. I'm just like, my God, like, I mean, this is really heavy, but like... I still think the old gospel choir is weirdly sadder. Like that song, like like take something out of me. But I'm sitting here listening to Timmy Bowers, and it's just like, I I can't believe this band wasn't the biggest band in the world. Which is a <laughs> yeah. weird song to use that like that idea with because you know your graduation's coming up in just a few songs, and that's the song where it's like, oh my god. I Everyone mean, how, knows, I mean, yeah. how how did this not just catapult them into a bigger stratosphere than they were in? But they were so much more, and, and so many emo bands are, but Modern Baseball in particular, I hate to wax poetically like this, but they, they were so much more than just another band in the scene, and they were only around for so long, and, and I don't, and this is maybe a dangerous comparison, but like, you know, the Smiths were only around for five years, and the Smiths had this impact that just lasted, it's now lasted a lifetime. I mean, you know, people still are, are craving for a Smiths reunion in 2019, and I don't think it's going to happen. I kind of hope it doesn't, but the fact is people want it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's fair to say that the modern that modern baseball was my equivalent to being in Manchester in 1985 and following this band, the Smiths, that have taken on a life of their own, because I don't know how modern baseball is going to age, and I don't know that when we have kids, when our generation does, if there's going to be this nostalgia for this type of music, I fear that there's not going to be. I kind of hope there is. It would be great because I wonder, I wonder about this too, of just like, and maybe this is a bigger talking point, but like, what from our culture is going to be remembered? I could totally see you like walking into like your child's room and they're listening, they're sitting there, they're listening to their modern baseball track and you're like, oh, you're going through it, huh? You're going through it. (laughs) You know, and you're like, what? Do you want to talk? Do you want to sit down and talk? No, no, I've got the music. It's It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. God. Um, You won't understand. (laughs) You don't get it. But that's like, I... I just, they were around for such a short period of time, and I was only on the back half of it. I mean, I, I again, I I had gotten into them right as this album was coming out. I remember when their EP that came out a year later came out, because at that point I was fully on board, and then Holy Ghost in 2016 was, Holy Ghost was the first record I ever bought on vinyl. Really? Yes, and Quentin, you've seen my extensive I, record collection. For those of you guys that don't know, Case's vinyl collection is something to be seen. Taking to, I was taken aback. God, that is mind. good to hear. Yeah, think about all it's the impressive. Mo- think about all the money I've wasted on that. <laughs> it doesn't that like that sneaks up on me of just like because there's nothing in there that like I regret buying. Absolutely not. I actually I have more regrets about stuff that I didn't buy. There's a there's a record at and we're in Chicago. There's Reckless Records here. Um, there's a there's a record at the Belmont Reckless right now yep, that is one. on their collectibles wall at sixty dollars. Sixty bucks. And I don't necessarily have the funds for that right now, but I I'm not gonna get it and I'm gonna hate myself for not getting it. What album is it? It's um an album by the Wave Pictures, Long okay. Black Cars. Do you know the Wave Pictures? I don't know the Wave so Pictures. I don't know a ton of people that do. They're like they blend a lot of different genres and 
unfortunately for me, they've kind of gone a jazzier route in their past few records, so I haven't been super into it. But there's this record, Long Black Cars, that is honest to God one of my favorite albums of the decade. Okay. Like they're like they're just fun and different and they they're they are very authentically them, similar to a band like Modern Baseball. I had never seen this record on vinyl before and then I came into the store a few days ago and I saw it there. I saw it for sixty bucks. I was like, shit. So you're gonna you're gonna give it time, you're gonna wait for it to maybe depreciate a little I'm gonna let it simmer. Or until you become rich. Is that God the... and and if that doesn't happen soon then we're all in trouble. Yeah. But one I... or the other. <laughs> I could just make the smart financial choice and not buy it, but I have a lot of regret, more so over records that I didn't buy than records I did. Okay. But no, Holy Ghost was the one that started it, and Modern Baseball was just uh, a band of first for me, time after time. And and Timmy Bowers is one of those songs that just weirdly uh, can put a lot of different things into perspective. I think that's fair to say. Oh, definitely. If you pay attention to it, it will make you feel a certain way. It will take you out of whatever you know you're feeling it's 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 incredible what do you give someone who's already got one of everything you thought would be the perfect accoutrement to their unnerving temperament attention what could a lowly peasant being like myself offer a perfect pleasant savior of humanity redeemer of us sinning hillbillies attention Just going to bed now something uh no disrespect to you quanta but something i'd like to be doing right about now you're making me blush i didn't say i was taking you to bed i said i would uh, like to be in bed then i take it back yeah huge huge difference i just imagined you know, <laughs> you, know maybe... what? you made a fair assumption given the way uh, you were talking to about you. me earlier yeah <laughs> that i had uh other plans with you perhaps but this is going to bed now and uh, how do you feel about this one the beginning of the song makes me think of a campfire song, you know? It's yeah. got that beat, that acoustic kind of, I don't know, I feel like I could see uh, a group of kids just around the fire bopping back and forth to it, and uh, there's just something about that, but it's, it is a good song. It's weirdly fun. Yeah, there's fun, just something that's the about, word, it just, yeah. it kind of, it, it continues to push through, there's a momentum to this song that I think is very important that they hit on. Um, coming out of Timmy Bowers, because if you go for another sadder song here, let's say you put Pothole, which closes the album. Yeah. If you put that here, I think it becomes too much. Absolutely. But they're, they're really good at sequencing these records, which is something I really appreciate. Um, yeah, I love this. I think there's there's an important part in the in the second verse uh, where Jakey Wald, who's singing this one, is talking about, you know, what do you do when someone calls you out on your DIY ethics and, you know, they think you don't embody DIY. Um, and, of course, they're saying that as they drain their dad and mommy's monthly data plan, mm -hmm. in conclusion, they're an asshole with an iPhone, Yes, is something that I think is very important because the third wave of emo, the My Chemical Romances and Jimmy Worlds and whoever were were corporately backed and they were these big you know stadium filling bands and i don't i don't look at it as a bad thing but those bands kind of lost track of what emo music had represented for so long which was an offshoot of do-it-yourself hardcore punk mm -hmm. i mean that's how this started was basically hardcore punk hits dc in 1981 and 1980 um they go through three or four years of just ball to the walls 
hardcore yelling government straight edge these sort of deals and then we have revolution summer in 1985 which is kind of the birth of emo music as we know it these bands um, a lot of the hardcore bands break up and then they form new bands that are a little softer a little more melodic we see ian mckay go from minor threat who is the seminal hardcore band if there ever was one he goes into this band called embrace and a lot of people don't know embrace it's an album i would love to talk about on this show at some point because they put out one album and it came out after they had already broken up but embrace to me is the the grandfather of emo music and it's just so funny that it came from uh the basically the minute after minor threat broke up these guys get together they put out this record and then we see rites of spring and indian summer and these other bands form that kind of represent the first wave of emo music the second wave uh, more so I look at it as just an expansion outside of DC, but bands that were doing something similar. And then we hit this point in the late 90s where the pop punk bands of the world, you're kind of Blink-182s. Again, Jimmy World to an extent saves the day as another one who kind of blend pop punk and emo. One could say there's not a difference. I don't think we're here to split hairs on that. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden it creates this corporate buzz. And I think a lot of that is because of Blink-182. And then emo hits the mainstream, and then you have your Fallout Boys and your My Chemical Romances, and then emo takes on a lifestyle more so than music. In, I don't think it's bad that they lost sight of that because you know why would My Chemical Romance care about DIY ethics when they're headlining stadium shows? I mean that's not their job at that point. But Modern Baseball was one of those bands to bring it back in, and there was such a, such a special time, especially in Philadelphia, where this scene really took off, where It's house show after house show, and they're playing these small venues, and they're playing all-ages venues, and it's DIY, it's do-it-yourself, and they sign not with these major labels. They don't go on Warp Tour, which was a huge deal, and there was actually a recent interview that came out with the founder of Warp Tour, who... uh, Not not to misquote him, but I'll just... You know, the, the gist of what he was saying was, you know... To him, Modern Baseball could have been one of the biggest bands in the world, uh, but they they declined Warp Tour. They they thought it would stigmatize them. The okay. Modern Baseball thought Warp Tour would stigmatize them. But good, Modern Baseball bet on themselves, and I think we saw a lot of that uh, with bands in this scene, which led to the crumbling of Warp Tour. I mean, now it's no longer a countrywide tour. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe. You know, I would love to do a Warp Tour podcast someday and just dive into that. But did you ever go to Warp, by the way? I've never been. God, I never went to a Warp either. I was supposed to the final year it happened. Oh, yeah? It it didn't work out. I'll leave it at that. For sure. I'm still a little bummed out by it. Well, of course, yeah. But so Modern Baseball, you know, they don't play Warp Tour. Mm -hmm. They're not signed to some massive label. Like we said earlier, they're on Run for Cover. And they are embodying a lot of what DIY punk represented, which to a lot of people doesn't matter. And I think that's fair. And I don't ask that consumers necessarily care about that. But if you're in the scene to a certain extent and you have an attachment to these bands, it's really refreshing. So would you say that going to bed now is like a hot take? Because I I know you know what hot takes are. I'm the king of hot takes. King of hot takes, Case. And So what's your hot take on those? Well, no, I just... From what you're saying, it, it makes it sound like, you know, this is... I, I agree, because there's actually a point in the song where it almost... It, it sounds like, I think, something you and I would appreciate, which is a setup and a punchline. He's like, what do you call, yeah. you know... Uh, yeah, the asshole with the iPhone is exactly. the punchline. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's We're on the same comedic wavelength there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt I felt reached to... I don't know. I felt like they were, like, that punching. That was this relatable content? I guess so, yeah. That was the part. No, for sure. I think it's, it's a call-out... Um, just to just to be mindful of the scene and 
it's something that like I have to be very self aware of this in what you know you and I do, which is you know improv in Chicago. Oh yeah. But I have to remember that there are starving artists out there, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of them. I mean, if something goes wrong, I'm at a point where like. I can kind of be bailed out. And I'm not proud of saying that, but there's a self-awareness that I feel like I have to have in these performance spaces that modern baseball was very aware of. And they, they were a group that had the guts to, to throw a lot of stuff behind them and to say, we don't need it. No, this is who we're going to be. And we're going to do it our way, which is what DIY punk is. And that's the, the mindset that it represents. And, I think that's a great thing. I've read a lot of think pieces from losers who don't understand it, mm-hmm. but that's they're not meant to. It's been very long as it been thinking about you every day. Sometimes for hours, sometimes in passing. Saw you from the bottom of the staircase, stood out for hours as you complained about how you haven't seen your friends yet. That you're too drunk to stand in you, not knowing if you can love him forever. Shit, you fucking miss me there, I said it I guess I'll talk to you in a few months Sitting drunk on the sidewalk I guess I'll get up, I guess I'll go for a walk Brush my shoes against the pavement And I swear this is gonna be the hundredth time I've thought of you tonight You weren't the only one who thought of us that way I spent most nights awake, wide awake it's your graduation, which is the song that everybody knows. I mean, this song is the best. It's I, so good. I can't believe we're sitting here listening to it, and it it's just so good. And this is a large part of what inspired this podcast. And I kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, but we're sitting in a mutual friend's home about a year ago, and this song comes on, and everybody knows it. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's art school people, but it was a lot of people that kind of came from different backgrounds that ended up at an art school because you're there and we have a different background. And there's, there's some girls that are there that like, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't have expected, expected them to know this song or Mm -hmm. if they did to like, oh, I haven't heard this in a while, but no, we're all sitting in this living room and everybody knows all the words and we just started singing it It immediately. And it was a really cool moment for me, quite honestly, of just like. I haven't been wasting my entire life listening to these bands that no one cares about. It was, uh, honest to God, it was like a touching moment for me that like meant a lot. That it was just this instantaneous, like impromptu, like, oh my God, we all know this song. And it's it's your graduation, Modern Baseball. I I, I mean, it, it, provoked, it provoked such an emotional response to me. But I want to know from you kind of where your, grad, or where your graduation, what road that takes you down. Oh, man. It, it feels like the epitome of the first time i actually felt like i was in love with a girl yeah yeah it was a very intense part of my life you know i had just dropped out of college and um i got involved with this girl and you know things didn't end up working out obviously and it was but listening back to that song now you know you can tell the intense emotions that he was feeling and then afterwards being so distraught with like this person's not in his life anymore and i just understand that very well i felt like i i constantly doubt myself like thinking about what if you know i never left and what if like that never happened um but yeah it's it's so like thought thoughtful and it just it 
it really speaks to the experience that I had and the relationship that I had. I, I was very close with this particular person. Yeah. And uh, things things were more complicated than they needed to be, and I probably should have gotten out of it sooner. But uh, it got to a point where I couldn't be around there anymore, and so I needed some space. And so, like, we were we were really really close though. Um, we connected on another level that I just hadn't done at that point in my life mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, for sure. And um, but like I said, things got complicated, and so I left. And then next thing I know, she moved away, and. Uh, I haven't seen her since, and so it's that 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 longing, that kind of you know, you you were in such an intense personal relationship with somebody, and then it's over, and you're just kind of stuck with those those feelings and those memories. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's hear a little bit more of this. I wanna I wanna look at the second verse for a second because this is sung by their drummer Sean Huber. Mm-hmm. It's the only track he's ever sung on. So let's hear a little bit more of that. The good damn reason why my heart would kill missing for so many months. So I was wishing that you, that you would stop pretending. Remember all those countless nights when I told you I loved you, and you never forget it. Oh, yeah, in a way. It's kind of a dangerous song because it really brings you back to a specific point. I mean, I, I kind of have it. I think more so with Tears Over Beers off that first record of like. If I hear that, there are people that come to mind immediately that are no longer in my life, for better or worse, that that, that song brings me back to. But it sounds like your graduation. Do you ever have to avoid this song? No, I actually cannot avoid this song. <laughs> uh, it's so good. And like I said, it's just so... Uh, it, it feels so catered to the experience that I had. And I, I enjoy it a lot. So I, I choose to not think too deeply about it most of the time. Yeah. But still, it gives me that, that reminder of uh, the my past relationship. And it's... But, I you know, I think music is supposed to do that. Yeah. I don't think I should try to avoid that feeling. No, not at all. Yeah. When, was the last time, when was the last time you said you spoke to this girl? Ooh. Uh, actually, like, in person? Or I reached out to her... Man, almost a little over a year ago to tell her that I was going back to school. Um, she didn't seem too interested. <laughs> and uh, But before that, it was the night I left. Like, um, we were together and I was kind of, I was stuck awake and I was caught up in my head about... Yeah. The, the things that I were feeling. And she seemed to feel pretty indifferent about me at that point. And all those classes in high school you fell asleep on. And now <laughs> yeah. you could hardly close your oh, eyes. Man, so case. so she's indifferent to what you're going through, basically. That's how it felt. And so I knew that what I was doing was I was giving more of myself than I should have been. And so I decided that I'd leave. And I sh- like I texted her you know, to tell her that everything was okay. Um, and I just needed some space and time. Because she knew we were going through something as well. Uh, and so she appreciated that and uh, about maybe a month or two later you know I reached back out to try and establish at least you know a, a something and uh, she had already moved so it was too late well I think it's a good thing you left yeah and I think it's a good thing you're here 
And those are two good things, just like this next oh song. Oh my god, Kiss. <laughs> trying hard not to look like I'm trying that hard. Failing miserably at everything, including that. Making plans in my head right before I go to sleep. Trying to think of who could make a better me than me. Maybe I'll shoot him an email. Maybe he'll give it a go. Then I'll be free to just evaporate, disperse, or implode. Picking at holes in my jeans. There's so much God in my gene pool. Not feeling lonely. I just like being alone. So two good things. A fine song. Yeah. A fine song. Oh, yeah. Is there anything that, that sticks out about it to you? I think I understand uh, it's talking about two high points in his life. So the one that he was coming down from, you know, it, it feels like kind of a lull. You know, I think he's describing a, uh, a point in his life that nothing very exciting is happening, but nothing truly bad is happening either. He's just kind of experiencing that lull and he knows things will get better, but for the moment he's stuck where he is. The fossils of my footsteps will be unearthed at a far off date unknown, impressed in concrete from walking home alone after walking you home. In the mops of greasy hair, will romanticize my despair but they won't know that i didn't care i like the silence i like the empty streets crawl down them on hands and knees in a a simple closing song, but I think it's one that really works. How do you feel about Pothole? It slows down the end of the album. It really kind of just brings it right back down to that slow, meaningful pace that they had already established earlier in the album. And I like it a lot. It is, uh, like I said before, it's a, it's a somber song for sure. And... Kind of nice to just experience. Um, definitely not at a party. Not a party no, song. No, not a party song. Absolutely not. Not even, not even at an art school party. No. Not even one of those parties that you walk into and there's like weird color lighting. Um, and there's people that you can't tell if they're in costumes or if that's how they normally dress. Uh -huh. Even at those parties, Pothole doesn't work. No, not at all. It's, no. it's definitely meant for the individual listener, I feel. For sure. And it's, it, it's, a, it's a great song. Modern Baseball felt strongly enough about it to release it as a single at one point. Um... I know for me, I sometimes get wary of bands that do like a real big emotional, like acoustic kind of stripped down song at the end of the album because it can go poorly sometimes. I talked a few weeks ago about how Pinkerton by Weezer ends with a song called Butterfly that is fully acoustic, very stripped down, similar vibe. And I think it really misses the mark. Okay. Uh, this is one I think it's a home run. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended with Modern, modern baseball. baseball. But it's, it's just, it's a great song that encapsulates exactly what this album was trying to say. I think it ends on a note of growth and maybe motivation moving forward. It fits with the modern baseball narrative, which we've now been able to piece together, but even at the time listening to it and not knowing what was next to come, Pothole just felt like an appropriate end to what I think is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. Quentin, I'll ask you in just a second, but we'll get into it now as we kind of go to our post-show rankings. For me, this is a 10 out of 10 record. This is one of my favorite records ever. Mm. Um, it's a top five for me. It's a top three album of the decade for me. I love this album. I I love the connection I have to it because of when I first heard it. 
And I love the way that it continues to grow with me as I grow as a person. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is. It's it's modern baseball. You're going to miss it all. And I just can't get over how much I like all of the songs on this album. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate this album? It's a fantastic album. I love listening to it all the way through. I don't really like to put it on shuffle, though. Yeah. Like, I like to listen to it in order. I would definitely give it a 9 out of 10, certainly. A 9 out of 10? A 9 out of 10. It's right there. It's right on the cusp. I don't know. Off the top of your head, do you have any albums that you would give a 10 out of 10 to? Any albums? Um, Let me think. Because I don't think... and Because... As I've come to know, you and I like a lot of the same type of music, but yeah. I, I, I'm much more cerebral in mm-hmm. the way that I rank things yeah. and the way that I kind of care. But I, I mean, I don't think you spend a lot of time ranking your favorite albums. Not really. No, because you have better things to do because you have a life. <laughs> That's, That's why. True, no, it's because you have cool things to do. <laughs> so you give this one a 9 out of 10. For sure. Um, this is an interesting album. We talked earlier about how a lot of women were into this album. And how this was kind of one of the first, in my opinion, one of the first like great pop punk emo records that really shed any sort of misogynistic skin that the scene might have uh, fairly or unfairly lumped onto it. Okay. That being said, this album became a very popular album um, in certain circles of the internet. Uh, I think scenes, I think if you are an e-girl now... And you're familiar with the term e-girl. Uh, I would say I recognize the term. I do not have a deeper understanding of the term. I'll count it for now. That works for me. For sure. I think if you're an e-girl now <laughs> okay. and you're 19, 20 years old, uh-huh. I think you were super into this album when it came out. I know a few firsthand. I believe it or not, I know a few e-girls, not to brag. Wow. Um, I know a few e-girls. All of them love this album. Okay. Yeah. And then it... it became something else which leads me to the question where does this rank on the basic scale if 10 is starbucks and taylor swift albums and nine is tame impala and tumblr post and zero is i you know fucking minor threat out of step you know something that they're just not into mm-hmm. where where do you find that this has some basic tendencies to it or no uh, i'm gonna start by saying that um I'm a Taylor Swift fan. That's and fine. I don't know. I was it a call out. Fearless was a good album. <laughs> is right. Fearless your 10 out of 10 album? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, so like I said, I grew up listening to country music. So I listened to that style of Taylor. Yeah. As she grew older, I stopped. Not eh, here and there. I listened to her. But anyways, as you were saying, the basic scale. Um, yeah. I don't even think it shows up. Okay. I don't think it belongs on the basic scale. It's not basic. It really isn't as far as I know, I talk to people about music here and there, not like profoundly, but not a lot of people I know know about this album and or this band. And if they do, they know your graduation. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Well, it's just, it's like I, I kind of said earlier, you know, if you know this band and you know this album, you know this band, you know this album. Yeah. But it, it was, it went by so quick mm-hmm. and it passed so many people by that I just needed this album in their life and I'm afraid that there are so many people out there that haven't heard this that really need to hear it so Quentin if if somebody needed this album right now who would it be somebody needed this album uh, I think people that are going into their freshman year of college need this album oh, god yeah I think they need it I think they need it to cope with everything that they went through in high school all of the relationships that they'll learn didn't mean as much as they ever thought it did uh, but I think it's it'll help them get through that stage, that weird transition. You oh, know? I love it. That's yeah. so good. That is exactly who needs to hear this album right now. Absolutely. Quentin, thank you for joining me. Before you go, what do you have to plug? 
What do I have to plug? Uh, Thursday nights at the Annoyance uh, is college night. Um, I'm on an improv team called Dropping Science. We do improv with other uh, college teams and also the house sketch team Dopamine. It's a lot of fun. It's at the Annoyance on Thursday nights at 9.30 here in Chicago. Uh, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> it's Quentin Reynolds. Uh, no spaces, Q-U-I-N-T-I-N-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. And that's usually where I post. If I'm doing stand-up, I'll put it up on my story or I'll, I'll make a short post. You know, if you're in the stand-up scene, <laughs> reach out, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's a good time. Awesome. I love it. Well, you can follow this show at Art School Albums on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Leave me some feedback. Uh, give me that five-star rating. Boost us in the algorithm, the almighty algorithm. Um, and until next time, I am your host, Case Lowe, and this has been Art School Albums with Modern Baseballs. You're going to miss it all. Can you